Hi, I'm recovering DIY musician Burn Bridges, and welcome to This Song Ruined My Life, where I sit down with friends old and new to discuss songs, bands, albums, and other musical phenomena that have taken over our singular or collective worlds. Before this episode begins, I just want to let you all know that you can find me via my Instagram, burn underscore bridges, B-Y-R-N-E underscore bridges. Um, it's a talking heads reference. <laughs> this show is a pretty private affair at the moment and made by me and my music nerd friends for our other music nerd friends. So the account isn't public. Uh, but if you DM me with comments about the show or suggestions for topics and or guests, I'd appreciate it, and I might even respond. Alright, so in today's episode, my guests and I commemorate David Bowie's birthday by discussing his least affecting album. Content warnings for each episode are listed in the show notes. And uh, with all that out of the way, let's get into it. Hey, welcome to episode six of This Song Ruined My Life, the only podcast that significantly ramps up production through the holidays. My guest today is an amateur meteorologist and an open source afterlife goose. It's Jillian Gell. <laughs> Hi, Jillian. Hello. What's up? Uh, not much. Excited to talk to you. I'm seeing your face right now for the first time in a while. Yeah. Nice. When's, the last, when's the last time you saw my face? Um, IRL was when you were in town for your little tour and my little tour. you stayed at yeah. you stayed at my house and I you gave me a mug house. and I still have that mug. Oh yeah. Those are limited edition. <laughs> I love it. Those it's it's a treasured edition. mug. It is. It uh, it was actually it was a pretty um pretty good merch item actually. Pretty pretty um did it do well? I'm not yeah, it's not a reasonable thing to travel with. <laughs> no, not that all that glass um, at all. But <laughs> like, if you show up at a DIY show with like ceramic mugs mm. with your face on them, like they'll fly off. Mm. Uh, they'll okay. they'll fly off your little merch table. That's good to know. We are. I had to re um, up a few times. Yeah, we're planning our little mini tour right now, and I'm thinking about what kind of merch we should have. Yeah, we I need some I don't hugs. know. If yeah, I don't you know, maybe maybe mugs or maybe not, but just something like with utility. Mm -hmm. Something with okay. utility. And then I mean what I did was I just like then you like put the little bandcamp code in there. Mm, smart. I like that. Um and so it's like you get whatever you buy, you get the you know, music yeah. that may may or may not have cost any money to produce. <laughs> um <laughs> For free with the mug, mm -hmm. you know, I like so it. that's smart. That was kind of, and then it makes it good, you know, then you can leave other people's houses and forget you left it there, <laughs> and um, they can talk to you about it uh, years later. The, 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 how, yeah, almost, f almost four years later, yeah. I don't even, I don't even remember when your tour was. Oh, I do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was January 2020. Ah, okay, so it like. In the, in the history of the world, mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and particularly in the history of traveling, it was like, a, like as I was getting back from that tour, I 
there started being like little talks, little talks mm-hmm. about blah 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 flu. The flu's really bad right now, mm-hmm. and the, you know. So yeah, it was, and I actually on that tour was like sort of, I was sort of <laughs> in my head and a little bit of taking notes. I was like, I think the next thing I'm gonna do is like write a zombie novel. <laughs> And I was like plotting out this like zombie novel that was a little bit, it's one of those things that it's like hard to know if it's a good idea or not, because it was mostly fueled by like what I was doing. Mm -hmm. It was like, it'll be about someone who's like traveling around by themselves on tour. Maybe it's about like a small band, but the idea being, which is really not now, like my life is like this all the time. But at the time, you know, I lived in a more populated area Mm -hmm. and now I live in the middle of nowhere. But, um, but at the time it was like, well, what if, like, obviously, like, when the zombie apocalypse strikes, it, it hits, it always hits urban areas yeah, first. Yeah, of course. Um, so usually the stories are focusing on, like, who, who, who made their life in a more remote, remote area, but, like, as, as a, as a, like, traveler in, in the band, you often find yourself in, like, really odd places. Mm-hmm. Um, so just thinking about, like, if an apocalypse struck and you only had, like, it was, like, in the van <laughs> that you, like, bring on tour, which is, like, weird. You don't bring nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, you bring some weird stuff mm-hmm. on a tour. And you also have all this gear and stuff yeah. that can probably be repurposed. Um, and also, like, in particular on this tour, I, like, stayed one night in, like, a renovated like prepper bus oh interesting that like someone of the more like anarchist persuasion mm-hmm. had like purchased from like a prepper family wow okay um because they're like upgrading to a different prepper <laughs> bus maybe so, so i like stayed in this prepper bus in tennessee and it was like what if like right now something happened. like the zombie apocalypse head yes and i just have like all this duct tape and like weird stuff <laughs> And I'm in this prepper van. Um, like, that was, like, so I was writing that. And then, like, an actual, you know. Yeah. <laughs> an actual zombie apocalypse <laughs> happened. And then I was, like. Uh, Too close to home. Well, not only. It was more that, like, I would talk to people about the idea. And, you know, part of writing something about that is you have to come up with, like, how does it spread? Yeah. And you think you have really clever ideas about how it spreads. But then when I would be talking to people about this, like, post, like, March 2020, mm-hmm. people were like, oh, but that's not how viruses work. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, well, no one, no one really thought about that months ago. Yeah. No one no was one really no cared. One now everyone's a fucking, like, virologist, <laughs> amateur virologist. So, um, so I never wrote that. <laughs> but that's what was going on Maybe the last one time day. I saw you. Circle back to it. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, the, it, the, there already was enough zombie stuff. And I feel like at this point, this is true. <laughs> there's even more. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I, I don't know if that's a um, curriculum I need to <laughs> contribute to. But. Yeah. Uh, I know you were, so, um, one of your previous episodes, you were talking about um, how you weren't in band, bands before and your job was like joining bands and recording them and kind of being like a documentary person. And it's like, yeah. Hey, that's how I met you. Yeah. Exactly like in high school. You. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. House of Rock. Is, 
Corpus Christi. That is how I met you. House of Rock Corpus 20 Christi. Twenty something. Yeah, we met, and I don't know. I imagine two thousand. I I feel I feel like my best guess is like summer two thousand seven. Yeah, I would say like two thousand seven, two thousand eight, maybe. But I think two thousand seven is correct. I I feel like I just graduated high school. Yeah, sorry, my cat is outside and he's croaking right now. He doesn't meow like a normal cat. Oh, that's okay. He was so quiet like the hour before. And then as soon as we started recording, he decided to be very vocal. <laughs> yeah, um, he sounds like a gremlin. Yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> he is. <laughs> if he ever wants to crawl up and just get on the mic, yeah. then... Yeah, actually, I'm going to open the door for him real quick, if that's okay. If you don't mind. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's why he's crying. We'll put some music in here. Have a little interlude music. And we're back. He loves, he loves the attention. He loves to um, meet people. And he knows I'm well, talking with someone right now. Welcome, Egon, yeah. to the podcast. Um, but yeah, like 20, 2007, I think, ish, we had our, I think little, that's our little like summer tour. Um, and we played Corpus and Houston and all those places. And that's where I met mm-hmm. you. For some reason, I didn't meet you in Houston, where I lived. Yeah, we yeah we originally <laughs> met in Corpus, and I didn't know that was an option. And well, I met you in Houston I afterward because we played Corpus yeah. first with um, yeah. Then y'all came to uh, that one super happy fun land. Yeah, that one weird place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting venue. Yeah, I tried to play there at some point when I was older and people were like, don't do that. I was like, okay. Yeah. I, I still hear that today. And I, I don't know the full details on that venue or anything, uh, but I know it's still around. Well, that's impressive. Yeah. They have a website. Really it looks impressive. very old school. Like it has not been updated in many, many years. So is this your, your, your new cat friend? Uh, no, this is my old cat friend. But he's very, very much always new and new with his sounds and problems and everything else. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and your new your new cat friend. Tell me about your new uh, cat friend. new cat friend is hiding right now. Um, we're kind of doing a little play date at the moment to see how the other cats take to her and how she takes to them. Yeah. Um, Egon loves everyone. He's happy to make friends with cats, dogs, rats, any creature. Um, mm-hmm. I'm mostly concerned about my older baby Lumen because he gets a little territorial. He gets a little jealous, and I don't want him to feel a certain way about a new cat coming into the picture. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna kind of see how that goes the next couple of days, and if it feels like a good fit, and if he's like chill with her. And does the visiting cat have a name, or does it earn its name after um, tr- the trials? Her name is Suki. Suki. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And that was the name that was already given to her. Um, but I kind of oh. like it. It's a cute name. That's good. She's um, a blue Persian. Um, and I I have a lot of love for Persians. Um, uh, my first cat was a Persian. Sybil, who I have tattooed on me, and she was a very special cat. So um, I haven't had a Persian since her. So I'm really interested in seeing what a Persian in my life is like again. Yeah. 
Well, good good luck to Thank you. all all the cats. Thank you. To get to get along, yes, or at yes. least you know, have proper negotiations. Yes, yes. As long as they can um, coexist, I think we'll all be fine. Great. Yeah, that's that's my hope. Awesome. So yeah, we met in twenty. Two th- words. 2007. 2007. <laughs> um, as they'll say in history books. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then we last saw each other in, in 2019. Mm-hmm. So that's a breadth. Yeah. That's a long, yeah. long, long gasp. Um, and I feel like there is uh, something I know very consistently about you. Mm-hmm. Um, that happens to be the topic of today's podcast. (laughs) This is true, yes. (laughs) As I told you when we were like prepping a little bit, I try not to say too much, Mm -hmm. but I messed up and I said something. But um, I do have a very early, because mostly I'm just, I feel like when you talk to people you haven't in a while, then you're just like, we had memories. (laughs) And you bring up your memories and then uh, they're not the same. And that's like the interesting, I think, I think that's fun. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I remember visiting you. Mm -hmm. I think I, I will guess like 2008 or 2009, but like, I don't really know. Was this um, Um, at my friend's place? I believe so. Yeah. I have a funny memory about that time, but I'll let you tell your (laughs) funny memory first. I remember visiting you, and I remember, um, uh, and like full disclosure, that I'm like ten years sober, mm-hmm. and this is over ten years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so my memory is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, before, uh, um, and I was also sober in high school, mm-hmm. so you know there's a gap there um, of that not happening. Uh, but, um, I specifically remember watching, I don't really know what it was, but it was something about David Bowie. I don't remember what it was either, honestly. Like, I don't know if it was like a, my memory is that you were basically, because again, like you have these memories and like they're always filled in with like, like interludes Mm -hmm. that probably didn't happen. Mm -hmm. But the interludes I remember are basically that you're like, there's this thing I want to show you. Here's this cool thing david bowie and then you put something on and it's like a documentary or something and i just remember like i don't think like particularly from like the 60s or Mm -hmm. 70s era like i hadn't done that much like viewing of like rock documentaries from that Mm -hmm. era Mm -hmm. like it was i sort of like i had it's something I cir- circled back to, okay. like that arrow is something I circled back to. But my my sort of introduction to like aggressive and interesting music was like both categories mm-hmm. was um, so like experimental and sort of aggressive punk stuff was through <laughs> ironically like a Christian punk mm. hardcore scene. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like so I guess I was into like stuff from the seventies, but it was like hardcore yeah like i was into like hardcore or nothing for a while and then after i got out of that like bubble i was into like radiohead gotcha. <laughs> so okay. i was in, into like fairly modern yeah um experimental sort of stuff and and more you know other other sort of experimental or like 
emo adjacent mm-hmm, mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but like, um, I just remember like, I think there was, there was like a vibe. I feel like it was live performances. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. I feel like it was a documentary. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what it was, mm-hmm. but I feel pretty confidently that it was about David Bowie. I'm, I'm certain it was about David Bowie. I can't imagine it being about anything other than David Bowie. I know we yeah. watched ghost world also. <laughs> We did watch Ghost World. I, I didn't remember that, yeah. but I did. Yeah, we watched Ghost I do, World. That was my first time seeing Ghost and, World. Um, cool. And I remember we also went to Sonic, all four of us. It was me, you, my friend Alyssa, and my friend Randy. And I was actually talking to Alyssa about this like a month ago, how um, we like we went in your car, and I don't know what happened, but like <laughs> you like hit the side of like the thing where you, you order and it like messed up your little rear view mirror thing, your little side mirror. And it was just like a really funny, weird moment. And all of us were just like, what happened? And you're like, oh, it's okay. <laughs> and we like ordered food and we left. That one actually, that, that actually probably was okay. <laughs> Cause that mirror like would like bend in <laughs> okay. and out like it bent. Uh-huh. Um, but I also like I became a. I feel like I'm a pretty responsible driver now. I was not a very responsible <laughs> driver when I was like 19. So yeah, surprise, I, surprise. surprisingly, I didn't surprisingly. feel um, unsafe in your car. But as <laughs> you as you were going into park, that happened, and it was a very funny moment that I, for some reason, You're... it's like embedded in my memories. Was it the Ford Focus? I uh, couldn't tell you what car because I'm terrible with cars. I, yeah. I don't know the difference between cars at all, unless it's like sure. a Beetle or a Mustang. It, was, it, it wasn't the <laughs> shitty yellow Jeep I had. No, it school, wasn't I a think. Jeep. I think it was a like, real car. Yeah, it was a car. Drive yeah. for a distance. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, the Jeep I had was definitely dangerous gotcha. just because it was like as old as me and it was just a dangerous <laughs> thing to be in. Yeah, but. I remember this being a car. Um, Cool. So yeah, we met like 2007-ish, and then there was a little decent break there, and then we met that time, watched yeah, some Bowie thing, yeah. and then yeah. big long break. Big, big long break. And then your tour. I think we saw each other like one other time besides that. I think we like we had a show together in Houston one time. In Houston, yeah. Yeah. With, with Winter Mute. Yeah. yeah. And that was actually the show where they billed us as Winter Minute, um, which was a pretty important show to me because then for the rest of the life of that band, we would say, wait a Winter Minute <laughs> on on like a regular basis. I like it. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a tour where like we were billed as like Winter Mint. We were billed as lots of things. Um, were these shows booked? <laughs> I mean, they were booked, like, online, right? Did they? No, people, like, could have copied it. Yeah, no, it, it's... Who knows? Gotcha. Yeah, I, like, with Moon Toki, people usually don't know how to pronounce Toki. They usually say mm-hmm. Toki. Um, so that's kind of the problem we typically have with our name. But usually they got the yeah. spelling right. It's just the pronunciation. The yeah, with... I just have bad luck because, like, with Burn Bridges, mm-hmm. people introduce me as, like, Brian Bridges all the time okay. or, like, um, Brian Bridges. Like, it's ne- it's never, like, looking at the word and pronouncing it wrong. It's just, like, putting letters mm-hmm. in the wrong. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that's it's just which the brain does sometimes. Yeah. Like it's not. I understand. I just sort of miscalculated that like David Byrne was like a household name. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was gonna say. Like that's why I would never mispronounce it because immediately my yeah. my mind goes to David Byrne. Right. Like, oh, I know exactly 70, how to say 70s, that. 70s, 80s. Yeah. Hmm. There you go. Interesting. Um, so there we go. But but uh, Talking Heads is a different podcast. Yes. Um, so that's that's a very long intro <laughs> to to say. And now you might hear my dog barking out oh, there. Oh, that's totally fine. Um, uh, to the to the listener viewers at home, um, you can't watch this. It's not viewable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So to bring us to our topic. Uh, just a quick question would be, what is David Bowie's self-titled album? What is it like? Yeah, in your words, um, just like what is it? Give us your your you know brief biography. Yeah. So the funny thing is, make sure we know who David Bowie <laughs> is. Yeah. The funny thing is, I actually after he died, I went through all of his albums. Um, just kind mm-hmm. of like listening to them and like going through and like looking through photos and music videos and live performances and stuff like an insane person. And then I did like little write-ups about each of the albums, just really short little snippets about what I thought of the albums and songs that kind of I felt were um, important songs or kind of like notable songs. Um, and so for this album... I kind of mentioned how prior to him going solo, he was playing sax and fronting bands like the Conrads at 15, um, later the King Bees. And his self-titled album in 1967, he actually described it as cringy and quite bizarre. And it's not something he seemed very proud of in his later years. Um, To me, I've always felt like it's a young David Jones, um, which is his real name, his given name, trying to figure out who David Bowie, the performer, is and kind of um, what direction Mm -hmm. he wants to go as a solo artist. Um, And the album actually has this sort of like strange mix of vaudeville and whimsical songs. And it kind of makes me think of Greg Brady and the parody movie, the Brady Bunch movie. Um, Hmm. I don't know if you know that song that Greg Brady sings in that film. He's like... um, Clowns never laughed before. Beanstalks never grew. Such a silly, stupid song, and a lot of the lyrics in this self-titled album remind me of that movie and of that song in particular. Um, but outside of like all of the adorable, stupid lyrics that are there, there's also some interesting, bizarre, like heavier stuff. Um, some of his fast-paced songs. Um, there's also mention of cross-dressing, dystopian worlds. The Messiah, which is his first mention of the Messiah. He mentions Messiahs many, many times throughout his career. Mm-hmm. Mass abortion, cannibalism, all of these weird little dark themes are kind of trickled throughout the album, but they're also done in a way that's whimsical and interesting and like almost like cutesy. Um, so it's this weird little juxtaposition that's always stood out to me um, in terms of that album. So to me, it's kind of like overall, when you first listen to it, you're hearing like this silly, um, kind of adorable music that's so, so 60s, like cringy 60s at times. But underneath that, there are these like little sprinkles of like who Bowie would later become. And then it's interesting to hear that album and his 
um, feelings about that album in later in life and kind of just seeing the trajectory he went in terms of the end album, which is Black Star. Um, so to me, I always kind of like going back to that album and just kind of, I don't know, they're fun, stupid songs to sing along to. I love singing along to those songs. Um, and I think they're also very interesting and musically there's some good stuff in there, but it's just like a little bizarre version of Bowie. There's many bizarre versions of Bowie, but this one's a very unusual 60s Greg Brady, David Bowie. <laughs> That's a little weird mm -hmm. too. And I hope that gave you enough of my little breakdown of that album. <laughs> no, absolutely. How, how many, hmm. How often do you do you listen to this record? Um, this one, I don't listen to it super often. There yeah. are a few songs on there that are on rotation for me, like Love You Till Tuesday, mm -hmm. um, Rubber Band, and the Gravedigger song. Those usually come up for me pretty often. Or Mr. Gravedigger, I think is the name. Um, but it's not an album that I gravitate towards often. And what made you want to bring it up today? Um, I think because, again, it's sort of the very beginnings of David Bowie and what would David Bowie become in later years. Mm -hmm. um, you're kind of just seeing that little tiny introduction of who he would later be. Um, and I also, as a musician, I really like hearing this version because I like thinking about the um, evolution of an artist and how we can change mm -hmm. based on like who we surround ourselves with, who our inspirations are musically, whether that's um, famous musicians or even friends of ours that are performing or performing with us that we play with often. Um, and I, I just like that idea of like, you know, you can start off and kind of look back at your old self and kind of cringe a little, but you always have the opportunity to change and sort of rearrange your sound and reinvent yourself. And that's essentially what David Bowie always was. Yeah. Yeah. Are you aware of like what collaborators were or weren't like, were any of the collaborators, like the personnel on this record, people who you work with again or later? Um, I don't, believe so actually that's a very good question because for a lot of his stuff he worked with uh tony visconti as his producer yeah. obviously mm -hmm. brian eno in later years i don't know about this one actually huh that's a very good question yeah just curious because i do feel like he he was just kind of the art kind of artist where like part of what he did really well was choose who to work yes. with if if he had a certain thing he wanted to do mm -hmm. um and that you know because obviously like he his his, his voice always sounded like his voice mm -hmm. you know his voice his voice didn't really uh um, like he'd sing different kinds of songs but it was never really like you you couldn't really you, it wasn't like now he's singing jazz and now he's singing mm -hmm. rock or what like it just kind of he had a david bowie voice yeah. but the the music he surrounded himself with and the, the people yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah and when you when you look at they did those like couple of documentaries on his like last you know last two mm -hmm. albums i think and and just seeing the, the the process there and how 
you know, being one of these artists of, of like how involved he was, even if it was instruments that he had no idea or business playing, mm-hmm. he was very involved with like how they would play it. Right. And kind of in the, like the conductor role. Yeah. So just sort of, um, you know, th- thinking about like, it's, it's quite possible that like why he's doesn't love this album as I imagine he probably didn't yeah. have that role, particularly on this album. Yeah. It's probably like s- session. Doing a quick, search on wikipedia um, i don't recognize any of these names on here as people he worked with in later years um so yeah i'm not sure who any of these musicians are or producers or anything like that um you don't know big jim sullivan i don't know big jim sullivan <laughs> guitar banjo sitar pretty cool though but i do not know him um yeah i think another cool thing that you you kind of you mentioned is um as artists, again, kind of surrounding ourselves with people that we trust and who excite us and can kind of um, spark some creativity in specific things, you know? And I think he was very good, again, at finding those people. And I feel mm-hmm. like in recent years, I've been better about finding those people too in my own music circle. And like, not just with playing music with me, but also photographers that I really love that I can count on videographers um, people that I know make really 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 cool things and are really good people and fun to work with and I can trust them to get the job done which is incredibly important mm-hmm. I've learned over the years to uh, kind of follow my gut and trust those people and um, know when to put things in their hands and also know who to not worry about anymore I spent many times with musicians that just are not worth my time because they're lazy or <laughs> we just yeah. don't see eye to eye at all. And it's just chaos. It's not fun. And, you know, what am I doing driving myself insane trying to work with this person when there's dozens of other people that are amazing musicians that I can trust um, in a much like greater capacity? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's important. And musicians are, are fucked up, you know? Mm-hmm. That's true. This is very true. Um, cool. Yeah, I I have I've listened to this record a couple times, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm not. Um, I'm not too familiar with it. Mm-hmm. So like, let me think. Let me think of some questions. If you were to kind of, to kind of chasing the thought of like that, you can kind of see like baby baby David mm-hmm. Bowie, like early David Bowie, like you see like little peeks into that. Mm-hmm. What are like some alternate um, versions of David Bowie that like he didn't follow that are in this record? Like mm-hmm. what's in this record? What's in this record that he left behind mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that like could have, could have been mm-hmm. a, a very different David Bowie. That's a good question. And are there any versions of that that like would have been interesting to see yeah i don't know if they would be particularly interesting (laughs) honestly um yeah well and you like how it's you 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 know i think you're probably on record as liking uh liking how it turned out yeah i yes (laughs) yes um there's like the rubber band song that's like a he's like a band leader or he's talking to Mm -hmm. the band leader um what? <laughs> it's a, they're all very unusual songs. They're like weird little stories. Sell me a coat. It's it's seemingly just a song where he wants someone to sell him a coat. Um, 
Um, they're just <sighs> right. very, I don't know. Jack Frost took her hand and left me. Jack Frost ain't so cool. Sell me a coat with buttons of silver. Sell me a coat that's red or gold. Like, sell me a coat with little patch pockets. Sell me a coat because <laughs> I feel cold. Like, just, I don't know. They're so stupid, but sweet and adorable. Um, I don't think there's a, a Bowie persona in this in this groupings of songs that would have been worth him spending time on. Um, I think, although the interesting thing, okay, about this album is yeah. um, he did a promo for it um, where he showed off like like a reel of different songs and like videos and stuff. And so there's like a little film for um, Love You Till Tuesday, real cute mm -hmm. 60s, whatever. Um, but it shows off his acting, it shows off his mime skills, uh, which he was a trained mime. And then it also shows the original Space Oddity. So the very first version of Space Oddity. Um, really cool, simple, simplistic video. And then from there is when we have the other David Bowie self-titled album, which essentially is the Space Oddity album. And so that's where we're getting more like into, um, I guess sort of more like acoustic-y folk. And I don't really know what to describe it, honestly. But that's where we have more like acoustic Bowie, like really beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, it's like poetry, essentially, what he's writing. So from these like simplistic 1960s lyrics and sell me a coat and love you till Tuesday and stuff. He starts writing stuff like An Occasional Dream, Wild Wild Boy from Free Cloud, God Knows I'm Good, just beautiful, beautiful songs with like pure poetry as lyrics, in my opinion. Um, and then through there, breaking on to The Man Who Sold the World, Hunky Dory, and so on and so on. Um, I don't know. I could talk about Bowie for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, to be, you know, and to be fair... Mm -hmm. This is, you know, 66, mm -hmm. 67 when he's recording. This is peak Beatles yeah. time. So, you know, silly, simple, yeah, overly sweet is like probably what is desired. Mm -hmm. Or what, you know, what he maybe at the time thought was desired to get him to yeah. the next level of stardom. Yeah. Or what was desired commercially, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. to get into um, a studio. For sure, yes. <laughs> so, um so yeah, but but yeah, that's uh, how um, how accurate is the label of baroque pop? Hmm. Yeah. On on Wikipedia, it says baroque, <laughs> yeah. which is my yeah. research source for this uh, podcast. It says baroque pop and music hall. I can see that honestly because of okay. I'm thinking of those lyrics again, and I would say those lyrics are pretty sort of like baroque in style. Mm -hmm. Um. It's like almost classical at times. There's some orchestral sort of elements thrown in there. Um, hmm. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say entirely Baroque pop, but it's, it's, it's got that feel in there. Um, but then there's also, again, a couple of heavier songs like She's Got Metals. Um, that's like the, the cross-dressing song, which is really cool to hear that in like a 60s album that's like mostly like sweet yeah. and like I don't know it's interesting some of the the elements he was throwing in some of the storylines 
Yeah, some sort of er early early peek throughs of mm -hmm. what's going through mm -hmm. what's going through the brain. For sure. Um, what are your feelings on his haircut? <laughs> his haircut on the cover yeah. of this album. Because <laughs> uh, I have feelings. Okay, what are your about feelings? Curious what yours are. I don't know. I gotta think of words for them, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I just uh, uh, confusion. Yeah. I'm also like I work in a preschool, and it reminds me of a lot of haircuts that we get in preschool. Okay. Like a lot of you know, like all you gotta maintain is the bangs. Yeah. You know. I, yeah, I don't love the sideburn action that's happening. Yeah. Um, it's not his worst hair though. I I absolutely I love, not like, most Bowie hair. Um, eras. There's one in particular in the 90s. This is like a hard photo to find, but Sarah Michelle Geller um, shared it on Instagram, I don't know, like six months ago. And it's a photo of her, Bowie, and I'm blanking on who else was in the photo. Bowie's in the middle, I think. And he, it's 90s Bowie, and 90s Bowie had like the spiky hair. But for some reason, this spike was just like right in the center, like not like a mohawk or a faux hawk. It's just like People called him an onion head in the comments, if that gives you any idea what hairstyles are going to visualize. And that's definitely, I think, his worst hairdo. This one's maybe second. Sure. But the onion one's not, not a good look. What, if there's a, you don't have to, like, put them in order, but if there's, like, a top five worst David Bowie haircuts okay. or styles, um, what are the other three that would be... Okay, um the onion one is number one. Okay. The, oh you're 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 putting them in order. Cool. <laughs> Nineteen sixty seven I'll say is you're number committing. two worst. Okay. Number three worst. Hmm. I don't hate his mullet, you know? I don't hate the ziggy mullet. Um I guess maybe his hours era, maybe not my favorite. I don't hate it, but it's not my favorite. That's like where he's got long hair, long straight hair. Mm -hmm. mm. Four and five, I'm not sure, honestly. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I really love most Bowie. Oh, That's maybe true. maybe never let me down Bowie. His hair in that one is kind of like longish, wavyish. Yeah, we'll say that one's just, number four. Just, just kind of boring. Yeah. And then every other haircut is tied for five. Yeah, and every other haircut okay. is perfection. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Except it's not curly. So. <laughs> as, as a curly girl. I get it, yeah. Mm -hmm. Very well. Now I'm lost in Wikipedia. Hmm? Oh, I just lost my page oh. on Wikipedia. Says. Narrating is gotcha, gotcha, yes. <laughs> Very important. <laughs> Very important that the audience understands. <laughs> uh, that I'm clicking around. Um, Wikipedia. Yeah.
Do you remember? Let's take it away from this mm-hmm. album a little bit. What is the first time you heard David Bowie? Um, actually, the first time I heard, like, really heard David Bowie was during the Death Duck years. So we had already started the mm-hmm. band before I had like really heard him. And I remember we were coming back from a show, maybe like Laredo or something, or McAllen. And Norby and Jackie were driving together. I was driving with my dad. And Norby's CD case, so we had CD cases at the time, was in the car, or in the truck. And I pulled out this Bowie album as a compilation. Um, I think it was 69 or 68 through 72, like the hits. Um, and I started falling asleep to that album. So I like listened to Space Oddity and mm-hmm. uh, Drive In Saturday. And I just remember thinking like, oh, these songs are so good and so interesting. And like the story told in Space Oddity was just so beautiful to me. And I like fell asleep with that in my head. And then the next day I got on the computer and I searched for him and was just like in awe of the different variations of him, like how he was able to transform from essentially like one album to the next become a brand new person his look his music style everything and that's kind of like what did it for me mm-hmm. that's all i needed big fan ever since and that was probably like mm, uh, gosh i don't know it was before his reality album which was 2005 is that right I have to go back and check that. No, I'm clicking through. 2003. So it was before 2003. Um, yeah. Maybe like 2002-ish, 2001 is when I discovered him. Never saw him live. Never had that opportunity. You saw the musical, right? Yes, I saw Lazarus. Yeah. Um we had tickets to go, um, and it was the final matinee. And I remember being so excited because I was thinking, like, okay, it's the final matinee. He showed up at the opening. He will maybe be at the final, final show that night. So I'll go to the matinee. I'll enjoy it. I'll come back for the last show, and I'll fucking wait outside. And I will finally meet David Bowie, and it'll be beautiful. And that did not happen, obviously. Um, but the matinee ended. We walked outside, and it was snowing, which it hadn't snowed yet during the trip. I don't think it had snowed at all in New York at that time. Uh, but it started snowing, and Michael C. Hall was outside. We met him. It was really beautiful. He was very sweet. I just started. That's pretty good too. I just started bawling because <laughs> it was very emotional, and that was probably like the closest I would ever get to seeing David Bowie live. Um, well, he was the official David Bowie avatar he was. for that era. He so. was, yeah. He, I think he performed on, was it Conan or... Uh, on one no, of it was, them, it was yeah. Conan. He did, it was on one of those shows. He did Lazarus. Uh-huh. Yeah, he did Lazarus because it was a crossover yeah. with, with the last album. He was introduced as David Bowie, which I thought was really funny. And it was very confusing. It was great. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I, <laughs> it was very confusing. Um yeah, I really appreciated mm-hmm. it because it was like not like it wasn't clear that, that Bowie was sick. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. Yeah. So yeah. it was just it just was like. What is happening? What are, what are you doing? Yeah. Michael, what's happening? <laughs> Michael C. Hall. And I'm also a huge Michael C. Hall fan. Like 
love Dexter, love Six Feet Under. Yeah, he he's, commits. Yeah, he yeah. saw him in Hedwig. He was amazing. He's great. Um, so I, um, I was all for him being in this Lazarus musical and then seeing him live performing in it was I great. I have some other music questions for mm-hmm. you, but to derail a little bit, um, what did you think of the, like, did you, I'm assuming, I'm just going to assume that you watched the, like, relaunch season or whatever of Dexter? Oh, I did watch that. Also, Michael C. Hall is in a band. I don't know if you know that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Princess, yep. Princess yeah. Goes, mm-hmm. really good. Um, has the, a musician from Blondie's in that band, too, and he's really good. Yeah. Um, yes, I saw the Dexter reboot. Mm-hmm. Um, someone asked me about this recently also, actually. I had, I think, a love-hate relationship with it. Sure. Um, I don't want to give spoilers away. Uh, I, mean, I, mean, I, I don't think it matters at this point. I don't think it was a huge... I don't think it matters at this point. And I think if if... We can just give a spoiler warning yeah, okay. if you're going to be upset. So, spoiler warning for Dexter. I, f- I forgot what the tagline was. It's like Dexter something. Find something, Dexter, we don't want to get sued. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I never liked what they did to Deb at the end of the original series. I didn't. Or anybody, yeah, really. Yeah, anybody, really. No. But I didn't like them killing off Deb. I, I fucking love Deborah. She was my favorite character. I thought it was... I thought the the thing of her suddenly being in love with him and attracted to him was very strange to me. Very silly. It seemed totally like unnecessary for the storyline. Um, and then I don't like them killing her off because she was such a fucking cool character. Um, and the new series, I really liked the the big bad guy of the season and the the murders in that one. I thought were really interesting and weird, like kind of turning them into dolls and like this weird little museum. It was like secret. Mm-hmm. Like that was a really cool, like weird, fucked up storyline. Um, all of the other little things that happen were forgettable. I don't remember any of the other characters. Hated the podcast character. We're on a podcast right now. I fucking hated the podcast storyline. Oh, yeah, like, like the, 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 the true crime. Yes. <laughs> like, okay, we're in 20-whatever. I don't know what year this came out already. I forgot. But, yeah, okay, so podcasts are big, so you have to have a fucking podcast in this show, too. Cool. And she has to be, like, true crime and just uh, it just seems so unnecessary. I feel like that was a thing in the Hannibal show, too. Like, there was, like, a crime podcaster, and, and there were several things that I felt like were lifted, I think maybe unintentionally, mm-hmm. but, like, there was just a lot of, like, it would have been great if you did this before Hannibal came out gotcha. as opposed to after. Cause mm. And Hannibal, like, Hannibal. I, I didn't finish the Hannibal series. I need to go back and finish that. But that show is fucking beautifully done, like... It gets pretty oh. gay. Oh, yeah. I, I got to, like, the gay parts, and then something pretty, happened, and I kind of just, like, got off the rails and stopped watching it. But that's a fucking good show. It's pretty great. Yeah. yeah I need to go back great. and see it start to finish. Um, but, yeah, I didn't mind the the bad guy and those... those Clancy Brown. Yes. There's Clancy Brown, who's very, also very underrated, mm-hmm. but very it has a lot of voice roles. Yes, Mr. Krabs. Um, yeah. <laughs> Which also being the most important. Also, all roads lead back to Bowie. David Bowie was in yeah. SpongeBob, as you maybe know. Mm-hmm. And then also the SpongeBob musical has a song of David Bowie's in the musical. 
But it's not just any song. It's a song from Outside, which is one of Bowie's like lesser known albums. And it's a fucking dark song. So it's really interesting that that song was chosen for the musical. And it's sung by Squidward, of course. Um, but yeah, all, all roads lead back to Bowie. Um, anyway. Um, oh, the biggest, the biggest qualm I have with the Dexter reboot is, okay, we get Batista back, right? Mm -hmm. Batista finds out Dexter is still alive. Holy shit, he's still alive and he's been living in this small town forever. And he's the one who's been, who was murdering all these people. He murdered uh, LaGuerta and everyone else, all this shit. We never see Batista confront Dexter. And that would have been just like such a beautiful, intense moment. And that doesn't happen. They like tease us with that moment. They tease us with Batista leaving to go to this small town in the fucking woods. And -hmm. then it doesn't happen because, spoiler, Dexter dies or seemingly dies. Who knows? Right, he'll come back in 10 years. Right. (laughs) Or it'll be 10 years and the sun will be the Dexter. I forgot his name already. Sure. Uh, I don't know. Does it matter? It doesn't matter. I don't know. <laughs> Could have done without it. <laughs> it's very, it's very true. Well, there, there's our official recap of it's De- Dexter New Blood New is what Blood. it's called. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Dexter, now there's snow. There's a lot. There's a lot of yeah, snow. Yeah, a lot of snow. Lots of bright red blood in snow. It's probably why they chose a snowy town. It just like looks visually really nice it is it is yeah it's the fargo yeah the fargo of mm-hmm, it all mm-hmm. <laughs> very well um i i wanted to ask you about i don't really know how to phrase it but just i'm curious about what it was like growing up like so when communal death duck mm-hmm. started you were were you were pretty young mm-hmm. right i was mm, probably around 12 and I'm sure as a 12-year-old, your your music tastes were, like, pretty good for a 12-year-old. But what was it like? I just always got the impression of, like, like you're more around my age. And I was like, wow, it's so cool that, like, you were playing with, like, your brother mm-hmm. and, like, these folks who clearly, like, were, were older, yes, but, like, had spent that time getting into interesting things. Mm-hmm. It just felt like, I guess my observation was, like, oh, cool, you got this, like, jumpstart on like weird things yes. I, yeah, because definitely. because like you know playing in like a you know i i don't really know how to describe you know that like, like when i saw y'all because when i saw y'all it was like a little bit new wave but also like pretty pretty noisy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and which is like really what i was into at that moment in my life yeah. um but just like yeah, I'm just curious about like what that was, and like my my journey as a 12 year old was also strange. Um, so, but but um, I'm just curious about like that perspective and what what that was what that was or wasn't for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was very lucky in that I had my brother Norby to kind of teach me about new music and introduce me to new music. If it wasn't for him, I don't know what my musical interests would have been. Like, I probably still would totally be a weirdo and maybe would have found these things eventually, but it might have taken me longer, you know? Um, 
And there, there are many moments that I remember very vividly of being at a record store or him coming home and being like, hey, I got you this album, or hey, you should buy this album, and it's like Blondie's Best Of, like, I think you would really like it, or it's The Cardigans, yeah. or like First Band on the Moon, or it's like a specific David Byrne album, and I still have all of those CDs, because I still have my big case of CDs, um, and it's just, it's those little like music moments that I always remember as being very special, or just something as simple as like a poster in his wall that just, like, the fucking poster of Kiss, like, looking like monsters, where I'm just like, what the fuck? What mm-hmm. are those people? And just being obsessed with, like, the, the costume and the makeup and how big everything was and wanting to kind of be that and do that. And I think um, I just kind of saw those things at a very early age, like, starting as early as, like, seven or eight. Um, and I think because of that, I was I was more drawn to those things early on. And then I would hear like people at school like, which NSYNC boy do you like? Which Backstreet Boy do you like? And I'm like, fuck that. <laughs> I want to listen to Talking Heads. <laughs> I want to be in Kiss. <laughs> they just didn't really get it. Um, but then later on, I think those people kind of figured out good, really good music. Um, I was just kind of always a little weirdo, I think. <laughs> Right, and you know, and when you have like that access point, mm-hmm. that's like part of it too. I mean, now now there's the internet. You know, I don't really know how kids do it now. They maybe just Google things, <laughs> and that's how they find things. TikTok. But like, when there was like the physical, when you needed physical yeah. music to listen to music, um, which was still like very true when I was in like elementary and middle school, mm-hmm. like that was like it was also like, what well, would your parents? let you Mm -hmm. obtain or Mm -hmm. or otherwise what Mm -hmm. could you find and like I did not really at least for I guess why it's fascinating to me is like for me it was like I remember like Will Smith's album and the Spice Girls album were like some of the most risque things I I Mm -hmm. owned before like other people gotcha yeah came into my Mm -hmm. life and would just like hand me like a bag of burnt CDs Mm -hmm. That I could go through, yeah, <laughs> and just sort of pick out. Um, and they were also often, you know, when when that w- w- when downloading happened uh, in a major way, mm-hmm. it was like also not guaranteed that what you were getting was even the actual uh-huh. album. Yes, <laughs> yes, I remember so, those days. So there's still like an Animal Collective album that like I've never heard again. <laughs> that I don't know what I. Like I've I've lost the CD, it got really scratched. But like I have memories of this Animal Collective album that like I don't think exists. I've spent I've tried very hard to find it. Um, I'm not like a huge Animal Collective fan, but it's just like it's like a Berenstein Bears for me, <laughs> where I'm like, no, it's real. Yes. Like I I, I heard this. this, I heard this, and it was real. Yeah. Um, but there's like I have like a weird. Um, I have like a romantic um, attraction mm-hmm. or like uh, I'm drawn to like, yeah, the, like the, the Ziploc bag of like mislabeled burnt CDs. For sure, yeah. And I still have many of my burnt CDs as well. Um, I think another thing for me is that my parents never like limited what we could listen to. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I listened to some of the Kiss albums that I listened to back in the day and I'm like, these lyrics, what the fuck? 
I was seeing this like eight years old. Like this is not not good. <laughs> like just like kind of filthy. Um, but sure. my parents didn't care. It's like they they let me listen to what I wanted to and enjoy the music that I really loved, you know. And um, took us to concerts at an early age. Like took me to my first Kiss concert and took more of you to see. I think like Robert Plant and stuff and all the other bands and musicians that he loved growing up. So I think kind of having parents that were more open to us um, kind of experiencing different music and um, honing in on the stuff that we wanted to versus what they thought was okay for us or um, okay for our age um, benefited us in a variety of ways. Um, I'm a total weirdo. Um, yeah. I mean, better be. <laughs> but also, like... This world. Uh, I also, okay, so I also knew the difference, like... I knew, like, I'm, I'm listening to something or I'm watching something like South Park and I'm really young and they're saying really, like, fucked up stupid things and, like, this is really funny, but I know not to say these things and I know not to say them in front of my parents specifically or in front of adults. Like, I was able to understand... Um, that sort of communication and like when to utilize certain languages and things that I was kind of picking up from um, TV or music or film and stuff versus maybe some other people that needed um, parents to kind of step in and make sure they were, I don't know. I, it's, it's a complicated thing being a parent. I don't know. That's why I'm not a parent. I never will be. <laughs> um, I don't want that job. Um, but yeah, I think I think my parents taught us well in that like enjoy these things, but also be respectful and be a decent human, essentially. Sure. Yeah, and there's also I think there's something to be said about like the the, the you know I the freedom to sort of play mm-hmm. around with what's available and discover within that mm-hmm. like even if it's like within like your parents record library or whatever like being able to you know ha- having that be curated in a way mm-hmm. where like there's there's just a wide spectrum and and the the kid can sort of just find what they want to find within yeah. it has been so has led for me as a parent has led to things like recently my kid will put on a record that's like <laughs> a bell choir that <laughs> it's like, why do I have this stuff? It's like a Christmas bell choir mm-hmm. record. It's just like, I had it. I put it's not even it, like, it's not even a very important thing to me. I just was like obsessed with records. Mm-hmm. And for a while it was pretty affordable to collect them. So like I just, and or people, and then for a while people would just, Hey, I don't really want this stuff. Here it is. And, and so I have like this bell choir record and my kid will put it on and then also like put on a, a like beat from a like you know a like cheap digital keyboard we have mm-hmm. and then also use a little drum pad we got them for for their mm-hmm. birthday to like put on a like chip tune like some some sort of like free use song yeah. that doesn't have copyright anymore that plays like in chip tune and my kid is like changing the tempo and all these things and just like doing a little dj set over the like over these 
over like organ and bell mm-hmm. choir. <laughs> and it just leads to like, I don't know. It just makes you really happy because mm-hmm. I was, it makes me think of like, oh yeah, this is what I was doing. Like when I was like 16 or like 18 yeah. and like getting into like, oh yeah, I can make my own mm-hmm. things because it wasn't really when I was younger, it was like, if you're going to do music, then you need to like, learn how to play classical music mm-hmm, or learn mm-hmm. how to do this or, or do that. And just to sort of like see like, no, that experimentation is, or it's not really something you need to like age into. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if you've seen like the babies that do like noise pedal, yes, mm-hmm. like harsh noise, mm-hmm. like, but like babies are so good at making mm-hmm. harsh noise. Jackie's kid um, actually, um, from death duck, uh, her son, he like, plays with their iPad and he's just like making all these crazy fucking sounds awesome. and Jackie's exactly. like I don't even know how the fuck he did that he needs to teach me how to do that because it sounds fucking cool and like she's exactly. just blown away with like the stuff he's creating and it's just letting them play essentially yeah we learn through play mm-hmm. and and we also I think forget the way that we are forced to learn I think somewhat by necessity and some, somewhat by you know, circumstance mm-hmm. that we, we forget how to play. Yeah. And then like when you're trying to be a musician or a writer or one of these things, like all of a sudden someone's like, okay, be creative. You don't know how. And you're yeah. like, uh, mm-hmm. or there be, there, what is there that? There becomes a moment when you're growing older, growing up and like in school where you become self-conscious and that's yeah. kind of like where everything changes and like, you're like an art yeah. class and you're like, oh, I fucking suck. I can't draw a person. I can't, I can only draw a stick figure. I can't do shit. Like, I, I don't know how to draw anything. Why am I here? And then the same thing happens with music and you're just like in this weird bubble where you can't kind of like free yourself. And little kids don't have that problem, which is kind of nice. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't think we have to grow out of it exactly, as much as yeah. we do. Um, Wink, wink. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, anyways, thanks, thanks for talking yeah, about that. Yeah, of course. But, but yeah, I just thought, I always thought that seemed, you know, not to like, you know, every, every life is probably difficult and has, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, its own ups and downs. But I always thought, I was like, that seemed really, especially like not having any older siblings. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I thought that was like, a, I was just like, oh, this is a cool it's cool that you can have like this kind of a family band. Yeah. Like it was just, it was really charming. Yeah. I always felt, so. um, very lucky about that. And, and in that regard, um, and I mean, we stopped doing death duck stuff for a long time. Like, I, don't, I yeah. don't know how many years. And then when COVID hit, the three of us kind of reunited online and wrote and recorded an entire album. <laughs> and that's a good album. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and Warby and I have been in talks of doing um, a little punk band together, a little two-piece punk Aww. band. Him primarily, I think, on bass and me on drums again, which would be the first time playing drums in a while. Yeah. Um, and he's on tour in January. I'll be drumming for him in his Texas dates, or most of the Texas dates. So that'll be really fun. We're going to throw in a couple of Death Duck songs in those sets, too. Cool. Yeah, fun stuff. Awesome. Well, we're going to take a little break, and then we'll play a game. Sounds good. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening to this episode of This Song Ruined My Life. While music has the power to change worlds, this is ultimately a trite podcast about trite things. As such, I'd like to take a moment each episode to encourage any listeners to tune their ears into some of the hard work folks are doing to make 
our world a little gentler. NARA Rapid Response needs to raise an initial $2 million U.S. million to be able to prepare to meet the medical and mental health needs of children in Gaza. This money will go towards surgeries, medical supplies, post-operative care, and various mental health projects. You can learn more about the fund, the projects, the organization at https colon backslash backslash anara.org slash gaza slash or just anara.org slash gaza and we're back hello again how was your break it was amazing i did so much what did yeah what did you do with your time um got a drink got a snack potty break Mm, yeah Uh that's great what what snack did you get (laughs) um some vegan jerky Vegan jerky. Yeah. Louisville. One hundred percent vegan. Smoky Carolina barbecue flavor. Delish. Every vegan you know is in that jerky. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's how it works, yes, right? That's how it works, yep. Yeah. They consent it. Right. So it's cool. Yeah, it's as that's ethical, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a different podcast. It's so stupid. Um we're going to play a game. Um, it's the same game. Do, would you like to play a game? Sorry, I, I should ask first. I'm very saw of you to ask. Yes, I'd like to play a game. Thank <laughs> you. Well, that is the format. Um, and this game is... Uh, this. Hopefully, at some point, I'm going to play a different game <laughs> for a while. But I've been liking this game. It's called We Could All Use a Little Change. <laughs> um, but I could also call it ch changes mm-hmm. Um or ch-ch-change.org, I think, would be the probably the better. I like um, it. I don't think that's a pun, like but it. the better wordplay. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I have three change.org petitions. Um, I'm going to read them to you okay. and get your thoughts. And then at the end, um, I, uh, I feel like they're... The commonality is that I use like music-based search terms mm-hmm. to find them. And then also that they at least in some way are not very, you know, change, when you think of change.org, there's some like sort of um, social value. Mm-hmm. Um, and these have almost, this. these are not really things that need to be on change.org. Okay. Um, Ready. So, so, um, and I started with musical search terms, so it got a little wonky this okay. time. So um, I'm excited. So I'll read them. Mm-hmm. And and we can get your thoughts, and then at the end, you can um, let me know which one. Which one I'm going to sign had my to, name to. You, which which one you're going to sign in blood? <laughs> okay, I'm ready. Um, your soul over to. I also grabbed a knife during the break, so I'm ready to go. That's good. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it's very blunt. Um, <laughs> this one is uh, bring back production of the four track cassette tape recorder. Okay. And it's really long, so I don't know how long I'm going to get through. But uh, There was once a time when creatives and artists alike could be at home with their bandmates and freely be able to record any sound, noise, or racket onto the humble cassette tape uh, via a four- or eight-track cassette recorder. Mm-hmm. I've read that a lot of great albums were recorded on a four-track recorder. Some are. <laughs> There's a lot of albums. And there's a lot of, like extra information Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
about each album, so I'll probably just yeah, skip, skip the extra information. But Guided by Voices recorded much of their classic era songs. Uh, William and Jim Reed of the Jesus and Mary Chain used a Tascam Porta Studio. Uh, Primus's first release, Suck on This, was recorded entirely on a Tascam quarter-inch 8-track. Uh, Lou Reed, mm-hmm. as mentioned, Lou Reed. Uh, John Frusciante. Um, Bruce Springsteen recorded in Nebraska. Uh, Soviet, Soviet poet and musician Victor Tsoi um, recorded demos in the late uh, 1980s. Um, Travis Meeks of Days of the New. John Vanderslice. A lot of men on here. Uh, Alan Wilder. <laughs> Ween. Um, Weird Al Yankovic <laughs> recorded half of his songs on his debut album with a Porta Studio. Um, uh, Wu-Tang Clan's debut album, Enter the Wu-Tang, was mixed down to a Porta Studio. Uh, Mad Lib recorded his first album on a Quasimodo, or as Quasimodo, uh, on the Tascam Porta Studio. Uh, Portatastic was named after the Porta Studio. The Dixie B. Liners recorded their Christmas single, Santa Wants a Whiskey, on Tascam 788. And the Kershaw recorded on one. Clive Gregson and Christine Collister, do you know them? Uh, recorded on one on the Porta Studio, and Mac DeMarco mm-hmm. recorded um, on the Porta Studio or on a what? Love him. Not, uh, yes, on on a Porta Studio. Um, and Bex Mellow Gold was also recorded on the four track. Also, fun fact: I'm sure a, Communal Death yeah. Tracks' first little EP was also recorded on a four track. Well, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll submit an edit. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of us would agree that some of these albums are amongst the greatest ever produced. <laughs> I hope that fellow artists and musicians can make push to bring back a easy and successful recording technique in the hands of those who need it most. A lot of people swear by these thing and cassette and vinyl has made comeback. Mm-hmm. People want to record on these things. People's ideas need to be captured. A cassette tape lends a certain sound quality that a lot of artists desire, especially those who are trying to achieve a lo-fi sound, which is extremely popular. If the four track makes a comeback, it can only be good for the world or recording. Thanks for your time. Okay. Cool. I get it. I love yeah. a lo-fi, but like, who's saying they can't? Who's saying they can't? I'm not sure. Do do four tracks not? Do they not make? I guess maybe they they probably don't produce new ones. Yeah, they're hard. Like to tape come isn't by. a very well, and tape isn't a very. Yeah. Tape isn't the cheapest medium mm-hmm, anymore. Mm-hmm. Um. Hmm. I mean, I do feel like if this person really wants to record with it, they can find what they need. Yeah, they probably can. Um, I have one also in the closet I f- somewhere. I, I think I have one, like the one that we used for Death Duck. My dad found it. He mm-hmm. gave it to me like, like last year or something. Um. I mean, they're around. And I feel like, a, you know, some, there's, you know, like Mac DeMarco's on here, and maybe that's like mm-hmm. striving for a sound. Mm-hmm. But a, a lot of, a lot of these things are probably because it, w- it was what was available yeah. to do it cheaply. Mm-hmm. And there's probably um, cheaper options than a four track cassette. Mm-hmm. For sure. At this point. Mm hmm. Hmm. Okay. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not okay. sure. But well, I mean, I don't hate this one. I just, no, I just wonder. No, it's not like, the worst. Like, no one, again, no one's saying you can't. 
you're right. not um, denied access to four track. You just need to go on eBay and find one or right. Craigslist or well, Facebook. Well, and it seems like m- maybe this person wants the the Tascam Porta Studio because mm-hmm. that comes up yeah. a lot. Seems like maybe the hidden lead is that yeah, they can't this person that. is like upset that this model mm-hmm. doesn't exist, mm-hmm. um, which might be the model pictured. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Anyways, the next is Apple needs to make a bagpipe emoji. <laughs> okay. It's a need, not a want, because imagine how useful a bagpipe emoji would be in day-to-day conversation. Um, a Scottish need to be recognized. Okay, that's it? That's the entire petition. Okay. Hmm. I like bagpipes. Yeah. Bagpipes are actually brought up the other night by a saxophone friend of mine. Not a saxophone friend, but... My living, living, breathing saxophone. A friend of mine who plays saxophone. And he's talking about how difficult... It is to play bagpipes, and he was saying, like, he tried to play them one time and almost died because, like, it's so much air that you're having to let out, and it was just incredibly difficult to play. Um, So, uh, I don't know, bagpipes are a very interesting instrument that seem to take a lot of air, a lot of breath to fulfill the sound necessary, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, w- I wonder if, if like, it's a very complicated design for an emoji. I don't think so. But you don't also, think so? like, I mean, I, I sometimes change my Instagram note, that new thing that they have, that mm-hmm. I don't really know what it's for. I'll put it for, like, show updates. But yeah. what I started to do is just put random emojis just for fun. And sometimes I'm going through and I'm like, wow, I didn't know this emoji existed. And I'm like, there's too many, honestly. I don't know if we need a bagpipe one. I think there are too many to choose from. Maybe we can replace one with the bagpipe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Replace the, maybe the petition could be to replace the American flag (laughs) with a bagpipe. Um, Let me see what instruments they have, actually. I'm curious what their instruments look like i don't even know where to find them honestly like there's like four or five mailboxes here i don't think we need that many mailboxes um and i don't even see instruments anywhere i know i'm missing them again there's too many too many choices too many options okay they, they have um, a microphone, two kinds of microphones, like an old school microphone mm-hmm. and a new school one. They got headphones, not earbuds, headphones, a little radio, a saxophone, an accordion, guitar, little keys, trumpet, violin, banjo, a snare drum, a bongo, maybe a conga, I don't know, a maracas, and a little flute. That's it. A bagpipe in there. Yeah. Be a pretty good band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if they would replace one of those because I think those are all pretty solid instruments that are used. No, I feel like they should replace a non-music yeah. emoji. Like, why do we need two different discs? They have a silver compact disc and a gold compact disc. 
I don't think we need both of those. Well, one's if your record goes platinum. <laughs> and one's if your record goes gold. That's true, I guess. There's also a magnifying glass that tilts to the left and one that tilts to the right. Yeah. I don't think that's necessary. Well, yeah, well maybe I, like a right-handed person and a left-handed person. And yeah. someone's going to complain there, too. Mm -hmm. uh, huh. In any case, I think something could be replaced. Right. Okay. Fair enough. All right, number three. Number three. So um, I use this search term that was related to our topic today. Okay. And this is where okay. I got it. And you'll probably be able to guess the term. Mm -hmm. But I'll be curious. Petition to have a a T-Rex and a Spinosaurus make out in Jurassic World 2. Millions of fans grew up with the Tyrannosaurus Rex as a beloved icon as it was portrayed as the romantic lead in both Jurassic Park mm -hmm. and its sequel, The Lost World. But in Jurassic Park 3, the same producers slash directors who elevated the Rex to iconic status decide to humiliate it by having a Spinosaurus kill it, creating a huge backlash from Rex fans all over the world. It became one of the most infamous scenes in film history, <laughs> not only because it humiliated the most popular dinosaur of the series, but because from a scientific standpoint, the Rex should have won because of uh, bite force, mm. uh, bacteria, Rexy. I, I've, the way this is written is confusing to me, so I don't know how to articulate no it, but there you I go. Understand. Uh, wow. Uh, it's silly because everyone knows they were really best friends. <laughs> And overall, the movie felt like it was trying to force us to like this new dino more than the one we have loved uh, for years. So since that third film in 2001, fans have hoped and asked for a makeup scene. And after 14 long years of wait, the fourth film, Jurassic World, decides to ignore the topic altogether, only having a subtle reference by having a T-Rex blow, blow, blow kiss a spinal skeleton, which we think is very unsatisfactory. Did not catch that in that film. No. And while the T-Rex was in the film and helped make love with the hybrid Indominus Rex what? with the help of Velociraptor and Mosasaurus. <laughs> I don't think I watched was, the right movie. <laughs> it wasn't the romance we wanted because the Rex needed help in order to get with this new hybrid. T-Rex fans still feel very unsatisfied. We demand a scene where they make out <laughs> Universal. <laughs> People uh, launch these petitions and they never ask their friends for anything <laughs> help. <laughs> that makes me sad. Okay. Huh. I, I'm not like a big Jurassic Park person. Jurassic Park, Jurassic World. I, I watch the movies. I know like the premise. Um, but I was not a super fan by any means. I've maybe seen them a couple times. I think I would have remembered Blowing Kisses and other stuff. Um. Yeah, I mean, having a small child who's exploring different media, we, we watched Jurassic World mm -hmm. recently, and I do not, do not remember that. Mm -hmm. I think they're, I definitely, they're referring to a different movie here. I don't know. Yeah, maybe there's... Like a Cinemax version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the midnight hour <laughs> version. <of. laughs> 
It's not actually a T-Rex at all. It's just a girl dressed like a T-Rex. <clears throat> I don't know. Uh, huh. Well, since I don't understand that one, I will not sign my name in blood for that one. Sure. Um, Did you uh, identify the search term? The T-Rex? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, I got you. Um, mm, of the three, actually of the two, hmm, I think I would go with number one, the four-track stuff. Um, yeah. Again, it's not like people are denied access to those things. They're just harder to come by. Um, but maybe if they were produced again, mass produced again, and readily available for people to purchase, we'd have more lo-fi garage band indie stuff happening, which could be kind of cool. But again, it's like super easy to just record on your phone these days also, or an iPad. So right. it's like, I, I don't know how much people would actually use it. Um, yeah. Or you can like fake that lo-fi sound pretty easily. But I don't know, some people like the authentic lo-fi sound and really seek that out. So whatever inspires people. Yeah, I think it's 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 interesting to me when you're just going to be bouncing this to digital mm -hmm. and putting it on streaming. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious if there's like a, I'm curious if Tascam, who very much is still on the market, mm -hmm. could uh, produce something that takes like the recording takes the four track technique, mm -hmm. and because there is there is something interesting about your dialed into the decisions you yeah, make for sure like you have to get your mix and you can't really do anything mm -hmm. with that i wonder if they could instead of it just going straight to tape mm -hmm. or maybe this exists like i wonder if there is a you know um bounce this straight to digital version yeah um, cool. that could could satisfy this person's desires mm -hmm. without um uh you know, wasting too much tape. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a why, I mean, the whole, there's very few places that even like produce, you know, cassette tape yeah. anymore. So a lot of it comes from like the same factory. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's, a, um, you know, may, may, maybe more tape isn't necessary. That's true. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, but I understand, I understand the like desire to have like, there's almost with modern recording, you know, your garage bands and such, mm -hmm. there's al almost too many choices. Yeah. Um, and so I understand the, the access issue there of like, well, if you want to record something, you got to learn all this stuff. Yeah. Um, and the tactile is, I think there's an excess, there's a positive accessibility mm -hmm. to the tactile nature. So for sure. Um, I think for sure there's, there's something there. So yeah, I think I'd support that one too. Yeah. Um, I think it was a little... I think they went on a bit. Yeah. They're very passionate about it. Um, um, I mean, the, the bagpipe one is cool because it was kind of straight to the point. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't object to one. I would use it. I would put it on my Instagram note for no reason whatsoever. Um, bagpipes? Yeah. 
but well we'll see and that was i mean so that was in 2022 mm-hmm. and they did get 70 signatures so maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it could happen maybe maybe it's there now not yet because i just looked online but you, also you i checked. don't have okay. an apple so i don't know if it i don't know if it's different oh that's interesting too that Apple needs to make yeah. it, but that's an interesting, weird sort of they made sure myopic they lens Apple, yeah. here. Well, it's interesting because Apple does not originate mm-hmm. emojis. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe they just think uh, Apple is like the only phone around, and they they or do was everything. Maybe they're God. They do. Apple is their yeah. God. Huh. Or maybe they just they're just like. Really in that, the fruit apples. <laughs> Possibly. And they believe that like if they pour this energy mm-hmm. into the the idea of apples, mm-hmm. that it will bear fruit. Uh, in the form of bagpipes. <laughs> in the form of bagpipes. Mm-hmm. It's possible. All right. Well. Well, that's our show. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you, Jillian, for being You're here. Um, is there? Or what is there that you'd like to uh, tell the audience? Um, you can find... About David Bowie or yourself? Uh, or about myself. I think David Bowie would Apples. want to hear about myself and my own music. So I'm going to plug my own yeah, music Yeah, I think here. so. Um, if you like music, which hopefully you do if you're listening to this podcast, you can listen to my band Toki, T-O-K-K-I, on Spotify. Um, we are also on Instagram and Facebook and all those places. Um, we're going on a little mini tour in March around like New Orleans, um, Asheville, Athens, Tennessee somewhere, all those places. Um, and we're also working on a new album right now. So follow us on the places and listen to our little EP and other live performances we have and our music videos, and we'll have an album soon-ish. All right. All right. That's all. (laughs) Bye. Bye. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Song of My Life. Like I said, I'm on Instagram at B-Y-R-N-E underscore Bridges. And, uh, yeah, you can talk to me there. You can tell me all about uh, your hair you can tell me all about your skincare uh, and just other relevant things to the topics on this podcast. All right. Thank you so much. Have a um, great uh, birthday. Have a great evening. Have a great uh, morning and uh, have a um, whatever. Vegan, you know, it's in that jerky. Got a drink, got a snack, got a drink, vegan jerky.
jerky. Vegan jerky. 100% vegans. They consented, so. Every vegan you know is in that jerky. Smoky Carolina barbecue. 